The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are the analysis pair here on uh, Big Blue View's radio podcast network. As we've been doing during the offseason, we've been previewing every single position group throughout this period of time leading up to the start of the season, but we've also had the uh, ability to talk about some interesting, fun topics, which we've done on these Wednesday shows. Because right now we have the third theme week here at SB Nation, we decided we were going to follow along with this theme and topic, which is Rivalry Week for SB Nation team blogs, where you can go as specific or as broad as possible when talking about your teams, the rivalries related to them, maybe player to player, position to position, even guys on the roster, anything, rivalries that are associated with your team, giving us a really good opportunity to not really analyze, but rather look back at some of the great things that have happened in the past and in the history of the New York Giants. And we decided today's show, we're going to talk about the Giants rivals that are not in the NFC East, the teams that are outside of the NFC East that the Giants maybe don't play every single year or even also the twice a year that they play in the NFC East, the obvious Redskins, Eagles, Cowboys. We picked five teams that could be considered to be the top rivals for the Giants outside of that conference or outside of the division rather. And I would say, Chris, not all of these are obvious. I think three of them are teams that Folks, you could probably predict the other two, I think, have some interesting spins on them, which make them really good ones to cap off today's show. But Chris, the first team that has to be brought up as the biggest out-of-conference rival, out-of-division rival, has to be the San Francisco 49ers, particularly because of the level of competition that Giants fans witnessed against the 49ers in the 80s and 90s during that great run by the 49ers where they had the best offense in the league with Bill Walsh 
and Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, the West Coast offense facing off against an elite Giants defense featuring Lawrence Taylor. That is the kind of matchup that a great rivalry is made of, where you are just pitting strength against strength and really two units that kind of changed the way football is played. You had that Giants defense coached by Bill Belichick, built by Bill Parcells. You, know, you mentioned LT, but you know also have Carl Banks, Harry Carson, so many really great players that allowed them to do things that you didn't see all that often or hadn't really seen before. And then you know, we all know how Bill Walsh and that West Coast offense transformed offensive football in the NFL. Basically right now, their offensive scheme is the default for pretty much any quote-unquote pro-style offense. There's obviously going to be different influences taken from, you know, Don Coriel, the Earhart Perkins. Now we're seeing more and more from the college ranks with the spread option offenses, the air raid offenses, but really the foundation is that 49ers. We're going to get to see that renewed again this year. And really, I think if you want to go a little bit deeper in, in talking about this rivalry and how it started, obviously this was the period of time when the Giants were, were at their highest uh, separate from the early 2000s and 2010s. That was when they won two of their Super Bowls um, being so stout defensively. And I think that this rivalry goes a little bit deeper than just talking about San Francisco 49ers versus the New York Giants. It was really the West Coast offense versus this Giants defense. There were schemes and approaches to running that style of offense that were geared around finding ways to attack the holes in the Giants' very, very tightly built defense. Heck, the uh, the the concept of molly blocking which is using a guard to pick up an outside rusher was famously used in the playoffs by the San Francisco 49ers just to slow down Lawrence Taylor they were trying to use very radically different things just to find ways to stop a guy that was wreaking havoc against teams because of how good of a pass rusher he was. And I think the other thing, too, that comes from this offense versus defense defensive set, setup, and you already kind of talked about it, Chris, is it was almost a, a peek into the future for NFL fans because you got to see an offensive play style that was so different from what a lot of other teams were doing. Teams were still very run-heavy back then besides maybe the San Diego Chargers. And Bill Walsh was so centric on throwing the ball with quick routes, slants, all based on timing, having different options for Joe Montana to get the ball to, and also being able to just not only play out of the pocket, but even move further outside of the pocket. And then for the Giants, they were able to use Lawrence Taylor in a way that an outside linebacker had not really previously been used. Outside linebackers were more so used as coverage drop players, but Bill Parcells was willing to take advantage of the strengths of Lawrence Taylor and use him as a pass rusher, still dropping him, but use him primarily as a pass rusher, which leads to what we see now in the NFL. A lot of teams that run 3-4 schemes and will have a player like Jadeveon Clowney be primarily a pass rusher, but line up in a two-point stance on the outside along the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so many of the modern edges, can you can really trace that style of play 
back to LT, guys like you say Clowney, uh, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Von Miller, obviously, Khalil Mack. You know, these guys are all in that LT mold. And really, that rivalry between the Giants defense and the West Coast offense set the stage for a lot of what we are seeing in the NFL today. This rivalry also did not stop in the 90s. It continued slightly for a period of time when the Giants had to face them in 2012 on their way to a Super Bowl. That game obviously coming down to the wire and being such a close game. It was almost a a blast from the past seeing that game what we previously, or not me, because I wasn't alive then. I don't. I don't even think you were alive at the time uh, either, Chris. For some of these '80s and '90s games, but uh, getting a blast from the past of what the rivalry was previously when these teams were so dominant. Chris, you also alluded to the fact that we're also going to get to see this rivalry again this upcoming season in 2020, as the 49ers are going to be coming to MetLife. It's not really the most favorable matchup for the Giants. It's not the same level of competition that is always has been. But nonetheless, we get to see this rivalry played out again during the regular season. Yeah, the 49ers honestly had a great offseason. They will probably be the much better team. I don't think I'm really insulting the Giants to say that, but the 49ers had Joe Staley retire, but picked up Trent Williams. They traded away DeForest Buckner and drafted Javon Kinlaw, who I know I talked a lot about him in the run-up to to the draft. He might not have been quite as highly regarded as Derek Brown, but he is just as explosive off the line. He is going to be a problem for interior offensive lines. You know, the Giants might've caught a little bit of a break with Debo Samuel suffering a Jones fracture in his foot. That's a nasty injury for a wide receiver. But the 49ers picked up Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, who is a very similar player. It's hard to say they, even with that injury, they got any worse. That's going to be a very tough game for the Giants. Certainly one of the harder matchups on the Giants 2020 schedule, considering the fact that they also have to play the Baltimore Ravens. Just two very, very difficult uh, you know, games upcoming for the season. It's not going to be the same level of competition, like I said, as this rivalry has been, but we do get to see it played out again. Second rivalry, and, and this one goes as deep back as that period of time when the Giants were playing the 49ers. The New England Patriots have to be considered to be a rival, considering, and this one's so blatantly obvious, Considering the two Super Bowls that the Giants won over the Patriots, the bad blood that has now resulted from those two Super Bowls, I went to school in New England, and I could tell you that Patriots fans, to an extent, I think hate the Giants more than they hate some of the teams in their own division. Whenever they get the chance to beat up on a a Giants team that is down and rebuilding, they are so excited. This Thursday night game this past year when they kicked the crap out of the Giants and Daniel Jones had a bad game, I heard nonstop from some of my teammates saying, just talking as much smack as they could, despite ignoring the fact that the Giants are very blatantly, clearly on a different level of uh, re-gearing and rebuild than the Patriots were last year. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, th- this game has, has conti- or this rivalry rather has continued and extended all the way where it is now. And I honestly don't know if this will ever go away, even if Bill Belichick retires and even if Tom Brady is no longer with the Patriots. Yeah, well, the 
The New York-Boston rivalry will never go away. As long as the Yankees and Red Sox are around to power it, it will exist and it will spread to every single organized sport. I think as long as the Giants and Patriots play every preseason, which right now there's no guarantee that they will this year, I certainly hope they do because that preseason game is honestly one of my favorites every year. Because whenever these two teams get together, it's always a good game. There are times like this year where the Giants are just not in a position to be competitive. But as long as both teams are even remotely competitive, that is going to be a tough, hard-fought game that goes down to the wire. You know, you talk about being at school in New England. I was in college for the 2007 Super Bowl, and... That was kind of an amazing experience being at SUNY Albany where the Giants have their training camp or had rather, and you could actually just hear the campus react and you could hear the Patriots fans and the Giants fans scream on any given play. And it's kind of funny. Friends and I still joke about the freshman quad pretty much rioting (laughs) when the Giants won. I managed to witness two riots in my time at URI when the Patriots won those two Super Bowls recently. And I can tell you the Patriots fans are extremely rabid, just as probably just as rabid, maybe if not a little bit more rabid than Giants fans are when it comes to reacting. Things set on fire. All of the the nine yards of of wonderful, great stuff uh, from college age fans of football. The other thing with this rivalry that is almost a separate piece to it, but still related, is Tom Brady and the New York Giants being a rivalry. Because now that Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, I consider this rivalry extended. I consider it being separate from the Patriots. I consider this now to be a rivalry with the Bucs until the remainder and ending of Tom Brady's career. We know Tom Brady has that bit of uh, uh, competitiveness that Michael Jordan has in the sense that he holds grudges. We can we just know for a fact that's how he operates and that's what fuels his competitiveness is having that level of a grudge. So you can bet that the Giants, when they face off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year, like he's always done, he's going to try and do whatever he can to feel good about beating up on the Giants Hopefully the Giants don't let that happen, but he is going to look at this opportunity to get back again for those two Super Bowl losses. Oh, absolutely. Despite all of the success that Tom Brady has and has had, he still, I think, cares about the fact that the entire league passed on him, what, six times before the Patriots finally picked him up in the sixth round. I think he still cares about that more than he does his Super Bowls. Certainly, from Brady's perspective, even though Tom Coughlin's gone, Jerry Reese is gone, Eli, Eli Manning is gone, you know, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, OCU Manure, all those guys who made his life hell in those Super Bowls, even though they're all gone, he is still going to be in rivalry mode. We've got three more rivalries, two of them very interesting picks. Stay tuned for those. Before we get to them, though, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great. 
but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the last one, I think, Chris, that has to be a very clear-cut rivalry. And I don't even know if this one is as deep as the other two, but the New York Jets are yet another rival for the Giants. And this one has to be strictly based on the fact that they play in the same stadium and that they are from the same region. It will always be a case of arguing with Jets fans who chose to pick fandom in a completely different conference for a different team. That is where that rivalry stems. Choosing to not pick for the I uh, argue. I mean, in our opinions, the better franchise, the one that's won more Super Bowls and been more consistently successful. That is what really fuels that level of rivalry. Even though we're all from the same area and we also both have rivalries with the Patriots, it's always going to go back to the fact that we're in the same area and we're picking two different teams. Yeah, this this rivalry is really all about bragging rights. You know, maybe for some of the players, you know. Brandon Jacobs always relished beating the Jets, but he kind of relished beating everybody. But really, bragging rights for fans. It really, unless the two teams are playing each other in the regular season, like what happened last year, it it only happens once every four years. It really doesn't matter what one team or the other does. It the rivals rivalry is really only played out against each other in preseason, where you know the results don't matter. But this is kind of a weird rivalry where the fans want bragging rights over you know, who owns the city, you know, which team finishes better. You know, I remember when the Jets were good when they first got Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan was first there, and they had that great defense, and they went to those two AFC championships, and the Jets fans wouldn't shut up. It's not like one team's success adversely impacts the other team. Both teams can be successful right up until the last game of the year. You know, they, it's kind of impossible for them to meet in the Super Bowl and both be successful. There are fans who just love to be able to rub the other fandom's nose in their team's misery. 
As you recall, last year, the Giants, even though we heavily predicted the Giants to win this matchup, they lost against the New York Jets, seemingly a game where they could not run the ball whatsoever. They kept Saquon in check against a very underrated run defense featuring Jamal Adams. Giants obviously not playing them again this year, but it obviously hurts as Giants fans having that lasting memory the last time they played the Jets of losing to them. Second to last pick, and I think this one has to be a little bit more interesting. This one is not as reoccurring because they play in two different conferences, but I really like the logic and the reasoning why we chose this rivalry. Now, these two teams are actually going to play in week one. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night football. They fully recognized the people that were uh, those in charge of picking early primetime matchups that this is actually kind of a rivalry and they have two big rabid fan bases it all kind of starts with what you uh, alluded to earlier Chris when we were doing the pre-show notes the relationship and connection between Rooney and Mara but I think the other thing that really fueled this is the whole Eli Manning Ben Roethlisberger situation back when they were drafted the whole debacle of him not wanting to play for the Chargers, ending up with the Giants, that hurting Big Ben's draft stock. That has always connected the two of them throughout their careers. And maybe they don't always compete head-to-head, but they've always been competing against each other for rights to be the better quarterback. Yeah, there are a ton of links between the Steelers and the Giants. They have always played a similar brand of football. Uh, Obviously, the connections between the Rooney family and the Mara family, those go back decades. And then the connection between Eli and Big Ben. So I'm not sure this quite qualifies as a strict rivalry, especially now that Eli is retired. Yeah, there's he can't do anything to change his perception compared to Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger other than, you know, maybe Ben stuck around a, sticks around a year too long. But I think the fact that these two teams are linked as heavily as they are, despite being, again, in different conferences and only playing each other once every four years, barring the occasional preseason matchup, it's a matchup we really do have to talk about. Again, they do play this year, so we're going to see it. We're going to see it in prime time week one. The last rivalry we picked, and this one is not one that we've seen on a reoccurring basis. They are in the same conference, but I think what makes this an indirect rivalry, not the biggest one on the list, but has been a rivalry because of when these matchups have occurred. And I think that's what fuels a rivalry. That's what fueled the one with the 49ers and the Giants was the fact that they maybe didn't play each other every year during the regular season, but when they faced off against each other in the playoffs, that was when the true competition hit. That was when we were frustrated or excited to beat out a team that was very, very, very talented and also capable of winning a Super Bowl. In this instance, the Green Bay Packers have to be the final one talked about on this list. If you recall in the Giants' recent Super Bowl runs, they went to Lambeau and beat Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And then the last time the Giants made the playoffs in 2016, they lost to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau Field, the notorious boat trip game where the Giants receivers could not play well whatsoever. And that has been a a conspiracy theory of a curse for the Giants since that game. 
But there's always been a connection with these two teams when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, and it's kind of fitting these two teams meet in big moments and kind of renew their rivalry in big moments. That game against Brett Favre in Lambeau when Tom Coughlin's face about froze off is one of the best games I could ever remember seeing. The Giants came in, nobody gave them a chance of winning, and they gave the Packers everything they could handle and then more. But even in-game, you know, Lawrence Tynes, he misses his first two shots at field goals, and then it's only getting colder, it's only getting windier, and then he immediately runs out and punches it through the uprights to win the game and go to the Super Bowl. It was Brett Favre's last game as a Packer, and it ended with a Corey Webster interception. And Eli Manning going out as, at the time, a young quarterback nobody had any faith in, and outplaying Brett Favre in Lambeau. There were just so many storylines, so just so much great football played that night. Honestly, it was even better than the Super Bowl last that year. And then the second time around in 2011, that's a game where you kind of knew the Giants were going to win, even though they were, even though the Packers were heavily favored. You kind of knew the Giants were going to win when they just said to hell with it. We're finishing off the first half with a Hail Mary to Akeem Nix, and they just kind of rolled from there. Last time they played was this past season, and because, like some of these other rivalries, the Giants haven't been as good, it was not really a close uh, matchup between the two teams. Daniel Jones also had a struggling game against a really good secondary, throwing three interceptions. Chris, that is all we have for today's show. Here on the Chris and Joe Show, we're going to continue on with our position previews next week. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe. Give us some feedback on the show, what you think of it, uh, some constructive criticism, things that you like about it, things that we could do differently maybe. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and what you think about the show. Also, follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon and you can follow Chris at Raptor MKII. Next position preview, we have pieces of the offensive line.